Welcome to the Jeff Knows Inc. Entrepreneurial Podcast with your host, Jeff Lopes. Jeff has over two decades experience as a serial entrepreneur, building brands like KimuraWare from his home basement to a multi-million dollar global brand that has sold over a quarter million pairs of boxing gloves. Jeff's here to educate, guide, and drive you on the process of bringing your ideas and dreams to reality with the inspiring stories from some of the top business minds. Welcome to episode number 119 of the Jeff Nosing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Lopes. Super excited to have on today one of the most inspiring individuals you'll ever meet, always with a smile, incredible heart, doing incredible things as an entrepreneur, Eric Legrand. Sit back, everyone, and enjoy. We're live. We're live in the Jeff Nosing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Lopes. Super excited to have on today. How are you, buddy? How's everything going with you, Eric? I'm doing awesome, Jeff. How are you? Uh, this is this is uh, I'm I'm really excited to have you on today. There's so many layers to your story and and just your positivity message, who you are, your smile, how you inspire people, your journey, your new business. Tons of layers today. I want to talk about what you're currently up at to and what you're currently doing with the new business. And then we're going to get to your story and your journey and all that stuff. So let's talk about where you're currently at and what you're, you're such a busy schedule right now. Let's talk about what you're currently doing right now. Yeah. I'm in the midst of building our brick and mortar LeGrand coffee house shop, which is, you know, pretty amazing that I am building this since I didn't have my first cup of coffee till August of 2020, <laughs> but I've been, I was missing out on some good stuff. I'm glad I'm all over it, but I, I, I'm, I'm proud to say that, you know, we've been in business with our online store for about three and a half, almost four months now. And, you know, I wanted to take this brand nationally and we've sold our coffee to all 50 states and people know now LeGrand Coffee and it has a great message behind it. Yeah, let's talk about that message. I think that's important for people to understand because uh, when I was talking to uh, one of your friends and your partners, and he was explaining the message about it's not even the coffee, it's about the atmosphere, what got you into that whole mindset. So let the audience understand what was the mindset before when you first originated this thought process. You know, I, I've thought about my connection to the community. When people look at me, what do they see? How, you know, when they think about me, you know, what's their thoughts? And it's always motivation, inspiration, bringing people together, unity. And I'm like, what do people love and what do people need? on a daily basis what is it yeah coffee coffee is what they need so i said you know what i'm gonna put my unique twist to it and it was you know we want to bring unity to the community with a daily cup of belief you know when people don't drink my coffee now it's going to be that daily reminder or kind of like a daily affirmation of you know what no excuses today i'm going to go out there and be the best that i can be i'm going to attack this day i want to you know i know everything that eric is going through so i'm going to make this day my best day no complaints and that's what I want to remind people when they need that little pick me up in the morning, when you first get up or in the afternoon, when you're all tired and whatnot. So that's how we created LeGrand Coffee House. With the word belief, and I'm, I'm reading on your shirt and, and everything like that. What does it mean to you? Where, how, do, how do you, how can you put into words the word belief and how do you explain to other people? There's a funny story, actually. So when I got injured, you know, everyone was looking for just something to grab onto, like, how are we going to get through this process? And I remember my coach, he was like, we have to believe. We're going to believe in God and we're going to believe that Eric is going to be okay. Well, my friend, John Nevins, actually shared a story with him that I only shared with him and it was the summer before I got hurt. So summer 2010. In our locker room in Colonial High School, when we were, 
I went to high school at, there was always a sign believe that we used to hit before you walk, you go out the locker room onto the field. And I always used to tap, tap the EL. I didn't tell anybody that, but those were my initials, Eric LeGrand. So I always used to tap the EL in the sign on my way out. I told my friend that story, how I used to always hit the EL before, you know, the summer before I got injured. He was like, oh, wow, that's cool, blah, blah, blah. So when this happened to me, to me and coach, you know, said we have to believe. My friend John told him the story and it's, it just became a part of me. It's who I am. Believe my initials are right in it. I love you saying that. And, and something I shared with your friend as well the other day is um, like I was talking before we went on air, a little, little history on my son and everything he's been through. And years, years back, and I have the, the post on social media, years, years back, I got these custom um, little wood signs made and I put them outside both their bedroom doors. My daughter and my son, it says, believe in yourself. So and every time they go to bed every night, I would, and I, for years been doing this, I make them say it to themselves. So we say it out loud five times and I would do that every single night. And now it's been years later and they still, they still do it on their own now, which I love that. It's, 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 it's very close to my heart. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of positivity there. I love that. Let's talk, let's talk about your injury. How did that, when did this all happen and, and how did it all come together? And then we'll get into even your story prior to that. You know, my injury, October 16, 2010, it happened at MetLife Stadium, running down the field to make a tackle in the fourth quarter of a game. And unfortunately, you know, I put my head down thinking it wasn't going to be in a tackle at all. Teammate tripped the guy up. Malcolm Brown twirled in the air. My head went, ended up going into the back of his shoulder blade when I thought it wasn't going to be in a tackle at all. And I fractured my C3, C4 vertebrae, and I laid on the ground motionless. I thought I was going to die because I couldn't move and I couldn't breathe. And I didn't know where my life was going to take me at that moment. But, you know, through the grace of God, I was able to, you know, have a lot of support and a long journey ahead of me. But, you know, those the trainers got me off that field in seven minutes and I was on my way to the hospital going through the scariest moment of my life. When when that all occurred, I mean, who first off, who was there in, in your audience? Were your parents there? Like who was there with you going through that? Because I mean that's it's it's such an empowering moment because it's it it affects you, but just the emotional grasp, but everybody that loves you around you. Like how how was that moment when you sit back now and you could talk to your your loved ones about that? You know, it's it's funny. That's why I truly believe that everything happens for a reason. That game, somehow I was able to finagle like 25 tickets. Usually they give us, you know, our regular four that we're allowed each game. Yeah. But a lot of times, you know, when your friends you from Florida or from Pennsylvania and their families are making a trip, you know, you, you take their tickets. Yeah. I was able to get 25 tickets for this game. So I had, you know, my, my mom was there, my dad, my family, you know, wow. friends. I even had the local pizzeria guy. <laughs> you know, so I had a bunch of people at that game. And it's crazy to say, you know, all those people were there to witness, you know, my last game ever playing but yeah it was just it was a, a, a obviously an emotional roller coaster for them going through that and seeing it but yeah i had about 25 people at this game so from the injury time to hospitalization how long were you in the in the hospital how many months like till the process of the rehab starting i think this is a powerful was, part of it yeah i was in the hospital for about three and a half weeks i first uh, i was in the hospital for three and a half weeks i was going to get and i was at hackensack medical and then i was going to get transferred to Kessler and West Orange. I remember the first day I got transferred November 3rd. I spiked a fever, had an infection, got rushed out to the hospital, was there for another five days at St. Barnabas. And then I would join back at Kessler November 8th. And I didn't leave there until March of March 28th, 2011. So I was there for five months and until I was able to now finally go home and adjust to a home life 
So from the time I got hurt on October 16th to the hospital, to the I mean, and then to the rehab center, it was definitely from October to to so, end of March was a long journey. Yeah, yeah, and, and I see obviously through your through your social posts and stuff. I mean, the journey is is, is obviously continue with your rehabilitation. You're constantly working and. And, and, and improving and striding and, and getting obviously more positively closer to where you want to be with. When was that shift in your mind? And was there ever a shift? Were you always this positive or where was that shift in the hospital? When was that moment where it's just like, I got to be, I, I got to believe in myself. I got to take this to the next level. Like when, when was that belief kicking it in? It was definitely in the hospital when I'm, when I was laying there and just seeing the outpouring of support for me. So I've always been the type of person where, if the job is for me to get something done, you're getting your all. I'm going to get the job. You're not, I'm not going to be the reason why yeah. something doesn't happen. Like that's just been who, I, who I've always been. Yeah. So now all these people are coming to see me. You got NFL coaches stopping by. Tom Coughlin was the head coach of the New York Giants. He came by. Andy Reid was with the Philadelphia Eagles at the time. He came by. All my friends that I haven't seen since elementary school, middle school, high school, they're stopping by. Random letters from this country all the way through out the world. And I'm like, you know what? It's time. Like all these people are looking at me, you know, they're, they're going to be to be looking for you for inspiration and motivation. How can you give up on all these thousands and millions of people that are wishing you well? Obviously no one would have faulted me if I did, but no, nah, that's just not me. And that, and that flip kind of switched that, you know, I put my trust in God, put my faith in him. And from there, I said, whatever I can control, I'm going to control. Who have been your greatest supporters who have been there who which if you, and i know there's probably tons and tons and just by your your tone right there but your mom your dad like who has who were the ones friends that you could really say man they helped me through this moment right now my mom my mom is obviously the number one far and beyond anybody because of what i love that no sacrificed everything stopped working and learned how to take care of me slept on a pull out cot for five months while we were at Kessler and yeah, just everything that my mom was able to just do for the, me. The love, the love of a mom is so strong, huh? All the, yeah. All everyone sees me, you know, when I'm on TV, the cameras, the podcast smiling, no one's in the behind the scenes with mom handling the insurance, getting my medication, you know, like all that stuff, running the household. Like no one sees that stuff. That's my mom. But obviously my aunt, my family, my aunt's the biggest prayer warrior in her family, my uncle. My sister, my now my ne- my nieces and nephews, they keep me going. And I have a great group of friends. I'm proud to say a lot of times people lose touch with their hometown friends and people they grew up with. Now, not where I'm from, we're in our group message of 14 of us that we still talk and we rip each other and have a great time every single day. I have a group of met friends of college and teammates that I met and people that we've met along the way. I have a group of friends of that. So they keep me going. I have about three or four separate group, me- uh, group messages of friends that just each and every day we we have fun and we banter at each other and stuff. It's just, that's what keeps me going. And obviously just all the random people that have come along my way. And now they're a part of my call, my team, the grand family that yeah. have supported me. So my support system just runs far and wide and I'm so thankful for that. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a testament to who you are as a person too, right? I mean, you're, 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 your attitude, your mindset, your heart, I mean, that attracts people. So, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's, that's, that's, that's the thing. I mean, you, there's, there's, I mean, injury aside, I mean, that you, who you are would attract those people anyhow. 
right? And yeah, then, and, so I think it's just a, it's an amazing character of who you are and, and what you believe in. Let's let's talk about Eric growing up. Where did you grow up? How many siblings you have? Like, how was your childhood growing up? Yeah, I grew up in a single parent household. My dad moved out when I was five years old, but he moved into into the town next to me. I always say my dad was there. Yeah, my dad was there for me. You know, he came to all my games if I ever needed anything. He was there, but my mom raised me. My mom turned me into who I am. I had a sister who's eleven and a half years older than me. That That's a big with. gap, huh? Yeah, there's a big gap. So when I was seven years old, she was going off to college. Wow. And then came back, you know, got her home. And she came back now. I was in middle school, you know, and stuff like that. So we were, you know, far apart, but we still, you know, remained close and whatnot. And um, yeah, I grew up in a town that was very diverse. I love to say that. You have white, you have black, you have Latino, you have Asian, you have, you, have, you know, Middle Eastern. You, yeah. get, you get everything in my town in Avenel. And that's why I say, especially in the times we're living in now when people, Sometimes they grow up around only one person. I'm like, I've been diverse. That's 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 around my whole life. I know, I know what is how white people think. I know how black people think. I know how Asian people think. People that believe in Muslim religion. I just, I've been around it my whole life. I'm exactly like that. I'm I'm like I grew up in Toronto, Canada, and it's such a a, 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 like a hot pool of just multicultural, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. a, a high school was just. It wasn't, it, you didn't, it wasn't like a group of Asian, a group of black, a group of, it was everybody missed together. Everybody was just friends. Mm-hmm. It was a great culture. Like I mean, my best man at my wedding is Jamaican. Like you just, it was just who you hung around with, who you grew up with. That was it. You didn't think about that. So now I'm, I'm very much like you. So you see all this hatred in the world and all this stuff. It's just like, wow, like, how is this happening? And I'm a strong believer, Eric, honestly, I, I talk about this all the time, Ashley is, it's it all starts from from no one's born racist no one's born with hatred it all starts from stems from the parents and i think if 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 we could really guess the hold of parents and educate them and teach them how to educate their kids it's, it, it, it it will never change but it will slowly start getting into more of the positive vibe and i think right now it's just it, it it's 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 hard because kids are just they're brought in like you said they're brought in to an area or grown up in an area where it's just third one culture, one society, one, and it's there's no diversity there, right? Absolutely, and I've been in conversations before. Actually, recently, uh, last month, you know, I was in a conversation with a friend and just talking, and we, I was like, yeah, Ramadan is you know coming up for, yeah. for you know, for the Muslim relief, and they're like, what is that? And I'm like, really? I'm like, it's like one of their holiest, <laughs> holiest times of prayer and fasting, and yeah. I'm like, oh, I never heard of that before. I'm just like. Well, That's cool. <laughs> my whole life, you know, growing up, especially when we were playing football and they were going through Ramadan, they weren't allowed to drink at the water, like just spitting out the water. Like I've, I've seen that. My <laughs> Some people may have no idea what that is. That's it's, crazy. It's crazy when you think about it. Huh? It, it really is. Like I've been around just so many different cultures and backgrounds. Yeah. And that's why I think I have that feeling. I know how to interact with. So yeah, that's, that's, that's me. How yeah. Know how to gra- you know, they gravitate towards me because. I just been around about whole life. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So when did you when did you take did you play other sports growing up or football was always your go-to? No, baseball and basketball. And I actually thought that baseball was going to be my calling. I was a very good pitcher growing up in center fielder. Bad yeah. Clean, bad to clean up. Yeah, I was very, very good at baseball. But then freshman year, I got to play my last three games of varsity on in a high school. And I played freshman basketball and freshman baseball. But during the yeah. season, I got offered a scholarship you know, to Rutgers. And from there, I was like, okay, I, I, that's my only regret in high school. I wish that I would have played all three for all four years. 
But I stopped baseball and I stopped basketball and I just focused all on football, lifting, and all of that. I'm proud to say I only missed one weight room session in my four years in, in uh, high school, and that was because I had to go to a math tutor. I literally committed <laughs> myself to, to the game of football. How is your involvement with the game now? Are you still involved? Like, I know obviously you do public speaking, do other stuff. Um, and I saw some photos of you around a, a couple of the pro teams and stuff like that. How's your involvement? Do you, do you give back to the schools, like talking to students in, in the football community or wh- what's your involvement with that now? Well, yeah, I'm a sports broadcaster. So I do, I call all the Rutgers football games and stuff. So oh, I, I didn't even know that. Okay. Oh, yeah, I'm a sports and broadcaster. I, I do that too. I call all the, all the Rutgers football games. I work the coaches radio show. How long have you been doing that for? Since 2012, I want to say. Yeah. I that, love it. I love it. I love it. With the Big Ten Network, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Radio, breaking down college football. So I'm very heavily involved in the game of football still because I, I always say football's made me into the man that I am today. And I love the game of football. So I'll never have any remorse towards it. So you, what got you into that? How did, how did you get, I mean, that's a different, that's a different skill set altogether, the broadcasting and all that stuff like that, right? Breaking down the plays and all that. What, what got you into that? And how did that, how did that fall into your lap? My whole life, actually, I said, I was going to, was gonna, my, my career path for me was playing, go to the NFL, go have a you know long career in the NFL, retire, become a sports broadcaster ever since I was a little kid. Seriously, huh? So when my career of football got cut short, I said, okay. Maybe let's try out this broadcasting thing and get into it. And I, I had to learn. That's for sure. You know, I especially doing a lot of radio stuff. I remember when I when I first started, I was fresh out of the program, and I started speaking in terminology that people would have no idea what was going on. I remember my partner Chris Carlin. He looks at me to play my play. I goes, "Listen, Eric, I need you to speak football one on one. I know a lot about football, and I don't know what you're saying. You think Harry, a 55 year old grandma that's listening to the game right now?" knows what you're talking about. I said, okay, yeah, maybe I need to break it down a little bit more football one-on-one instead of talking about, you know, Zorro and blitzes and all this. <laughs> I have no idea about. So yeah, it was an adjustment in our form. I mean, this is, I'm going into my, geez, this is my 10th season with the team. So it's pretty cool. That is pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. It is. So give me an understanding of a day-to-day in Eric's life, like just with your rehab, your rehabilitation, like how much time do you put towards therapy and rebuilding yourself? How much, give me a day, a, an overall day. If I were to start off in the morning till night, give me a, r- a rough day in your life right now. This is so crazy because pre COVID, it was actually a lot more running around pre COVID. I was get up in the morning, get dressed, get up, uh, you know, through, through my two hour process with my nurse, two to three hour process with my nurses and aides to get me up and ready, shower and all that stuff. Too. Yeah. That was that's a process every morning, two to three hours. Then you get up, you know, you do answer some emails and stuff like that, catch up on life. And then you do now is eating lunch and heading out to therapy sessions or a speaking engagement for the afternoon. My afternoon was either therapy or speaking engagements. Come home. Sometimes I have an event to go to in the evening or speaking engagement in the evening. Or sometimes I had time with friends. Some I would travel a lot more. All this was going on. But after, you know, when COVID hit, it actually allowed me to step back and I I wasn't going anywhere. I was home. So now my life totally changed. They got to have the therapy equipment home to do yeah. what I need to get done. So I was, I was able to do that. But uh, it's re- I started listening to audiobooks, and it really got my entrepreneurship mindset going. And here we are creating the Grand Coffee House. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So 
in general, so okay, so you have this coffee house now. I mean, this is something you're 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 you obviously you're you say you're at 50 states right now, so it's growing pretty rapidly. You have your first brick and mortar. This is something you want to franchise eventually. Yeah, we'll see how what what goes into it. I definitely want to have multiple locations if if I'm running it or if I franchise it out and other people are running them. But uh, yeah, this brick and mortar is here right in my hometown of Woodbridge, New Jersey. But I plan on expanding. Believe what, when when are you guys planning the grand opening of this? So we're hoping that we open it up in sometime in September, you know, right around my birthday, September 4th. So either right before or right after that time period and really get it going for the holidays. And the best part about it is because I told you how I haven't had my first cup of coffee until August. I'm I'm saying to all the people that I hire my my baristas, they have to impress the boss. I never had the pumpkin spice lattes and, and the more <laughs> focus. So I say, hey, you're, I'm gonna tell my employees, your your job is to impress the boss. Now I need to I need to taste this stuff and see how it is that everyone's all hyped up about. We gotta make sure you have a good product here. So when you first did taste your cup first cup of coffee, how how was your reaction with it? It was funny. So I it was I made sure I did I had it black. Can't be putting all the mixtures in that's, the milk. That's all I that's all I drink mine. You gotta drink it. I drink it back and I taste it. I'm like, mm, it's kind of good, like flavored. Water smooth though. Not like I was waiting for that that dry bitter black taste, but it was kind of good. I'm like, I can enjoy this. And then when you know you could actually really taste the flavor of the coffee bean when it's the black coffee before you put yeah. it in. Yeah, 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 yeah. This has some bad stuff in it. So I drinking that, drinking that, and then I try some cold brew. I'm like, oh, this is good stuff. And then I'm really inventing into the iced coffee one. I'm like, all right, for the iced coffee, I don't mind mixing in all the sugars and stuff because it's, it's, it tastes just so much better. People like, you're drinking milk. I'm like, I don't even care. But in the morning, it's a, it's usually black it's black coffee. You put maybe a little bit of half and half in there. So that's my hot coffee in the mornings. And then if I have some of the afternoon, I take some ice. I love it. I love it. I love it. Where else does your entrepreneurial juices take you? Are you doing any other ventures right now? Or uh, it's just more of the broadcasting, the coffee? No, obviously my motivation is speaking career, but my t-shirt that you you see I'm wearing, I actually opened up my own, you know, a clothing line called Shop 52, which opened up in August of 2019. And we were able to, you know, get our shirts out there. My first shirt that I made was called, was a role model. But I wanted, I like, I want to put a unique, you know, twist to it because I, I was looking for words that people describe me as and role model came to mind, but I didn't want to spell, spell it R-O-L-E. I wanted to spell it R-O-L-L because obviously Roll. and role model. Then my friend was like, E, you got to make the O, the handicap sign. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> so I, we sold a bunch of, you know, after I launched that, and a bunch of my celebrity friends were wearing it, posting it. It was a, just a great launch. And it's just built into the lockdown, the Belief 52. We actually just launched uh, last month our other our new show called Leave Your Mark. And it has my tire, like the wheelchair tire marks with the 52 in it going across and it's all about leaving your mark in this world, making a difference, you know, making an impact on somebody else. So, and kind of like an inspirational brand. So that's, you know, something I have also that's been cooking in the kitchen, man. I got things planned for the future. I can't tell you about them now, but I'm always up to something. I love it. I'm just, just like me, man. I, I've been, I've been an entrepreneur for 25 years. So just always build and grow and try to try to try to try to do as many possible things as possible. Cause I just, I love building and growing things. With yourself now, with your as as you're starting to get into this entrepreneurial juices, and you're starting to do all these developing all these things. Where is like you said, like 
what I would say even time for yourself. Like when do you sit down and say, you know what, like sit back and enjoy this all or have time to really, really be life's been really busy right now. When do you have time to actually just sit back and, and really just vision everything and, and, and just enjoy it for a bit? Those are my nights. I usually before COVID, especially in my 20s, I traveled a lot. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I was in Miami, I was in Vegas, I was in Cali. I live, I live Mexico, you know, Cancun. And, then, and this is all for your, for the speaking or? Just, no, this was just enjoying life. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah I used yeah. to travel vacation all that just to kick back and just enjoy yeah. that. You know, now my time, you know, because of COVID, I haven't been traveling like that. Honestly, at night, at my night times are my time where I decompress and I, I love my TV shows. Now I get on Netflix, Amazon prime, even, you know, the cable channels. And I watch a bunch of shows and that's how I like, decompress and I get my group message with my friends and we go back and forth arguing about what shows the best show and this and that. So that's my time for myself that I truly enjoy just being able to kick back and relax once everything is done for the day and enjoy some TV. I love it. I love it. I love it. Where do you see with yourself? Do you, have you written a book yet? I did. I came out with my first book in 2012. It's called Believe My Faith and Tackle That Changed My Life. And then the children's version was Believe a victorious story of Eric Legrand. And I can't wait to, you know, continue now, you know, once I, now I have my entrepreneurship dreams coming, coming together. I can't wait to write my first business book. I love it. I love it. How, how, when you did your book, did you do a tour of your book or did you just, uh, how did that all work? Yeah. You know, I have my, between the, you know, my writer of the book, my ghostwriter and all that type of stuff. You know, that was a whole process in the making right there. That was, wild but um the tour, uh, yeah. from from start to end how long did it take you with a ghostwriter because people that don't understand ghostwriting it's a different world altogether first off i think that guy still to the, to this day knows more about myself than i even know <laughs> but yes i was able to work with you know work with with him and he honestly he was in san diego so i was in jersey and a lot of times we worked together at night so he would call me at like 11 p.m at night it's 8 p.m his time and we would be on the phone until like 2 a.m in the morning just Talking, just talking about interview, asking questions after questions. Then he flew out here and he met with my, myself, my family. He would interview us for eight hours for the entire Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, eight hours. That's why I said, wow. I don't even know about myself. From there, you know, he would write, go back, and then he would write up a chapter, send it over to my mom and I. We would read it, make our edits, and be like, no, 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 this is how it happened. All the, okay, yes, you got that right. Send it back to him. Then he would send it to the editor and they had to confirm it all. And then back and forth, back and forth. And it took about three and a half months. And it was just like, oh, finally, like we're done. But so, so that's not that's not bad. Three and a half months. You you hear it was a lot of you, work. We were moving. Yeah. As yeah. I said, a lot of late nights, a lot of late nights. We were moving to get this book done. We released that September or September 25th of 2012. And what what, what made you do a child uh, a children's version of it? Because I feel like a lot of children they at especially even more now than even back in 2012. They seem like they they seem to take well to my my journey, my story and who I am and what I've overcome. You know, especially back I was only 22 years old at that time too. So yeah, you know, you're I, so yeah, you're still very young. I wasn't exactly that much older older than they were and what I went through and stuff. So they really, you know, took to it. So it was really cool to be able to release a children's book. And then we did the little book tour, you know, through different bookstores throughout New Jersey and having, you know, the signings and stuff like that. It was pretty cool. something I never really did. So I, I enjoyed it. Do you have any hobbies that you, something that you do, like you said, do for yourself, any hobbies or anything you collect or anything like that? Just for the audience to get a different understanding of who you are. I like to collect jerseys and autographs. Like I have 
so many jerseys in my closet. I was actually just going through them the other day of like, I got to start working on these and get these signed in front. Like I got my Steph Curry one framed here. I got my, my Ray Lewis one framed there. I got to get Michael Jordan's one frame. I got a LeBron James signed basketball. You know, Ray Lewis's helmets are game one helmets over there. Like stuff like that. Like I, I love being able to have like jerseys and stuff on the wall. I love it. I love it. I love it. With yourself, um, with your line, you believe, do you do, do you have a jersey, but part of it or just t-shirts and sweaters? We're just doing t-shirts and sweaters. Like in the past, when I first got injured, people created the Believe 52 jerseys. I was going to say, yeah, I, I can see that selling. They yeah, they did. They at the beginning, there was also people wanted the Believe 52 jersey, especially when they put the block R on it, like the Ruckus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those were cool. Yeah. So we'll see how we continue to adapt with the with the, our 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 shop fifty two gear. But yeah, the jerseys are pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Through your all the public speaking you did and all that kind of stuff like that, is there is there one or or one or more moments that really stuck out? Somebody you talked to or somebody a school you inspired and, and somebody came to talk to you after? Is there any stories that really really took to you that? That that somebody you really changed their life or changed their mindset with? Um, there was this one kid. This was way back early in my speaking engagement. I was speaking to a middle school, and I was up in the inner city of Jersey City, New Jersey. Yeah. And I got to speak there, and this one kid who was blind came up to me, and I and he was I want to say 12, 13 years old, and he goes, Eric, Eric, you really inspired me so much. I may not be able to see you, but now I see the world as a better place after hearing your story. And I was just like, like take it back. Cause I was young at that. I was, I was like in the very beginning, maybe 21, 22 years old. And when that kid said that to me, I was just like, wow, like that's, that's special. Like powerful. That's powerful. Like, like this is the, you're in the right place. You're doing the right thing. It was like, kind of like a confirmation. This is your mission here, Eric. This is what you're supposed to be doing. I love that. I love that. It's so, so powerful. Right. Very, very powerful. So, with your, with your, um, how many business partners do you have in the uh, cafe business? Oh, we, we don't have many that are the day to day operations. It's still, there we're bootstrapped. We're not, we're not having too much. I don't want to branch out more until we have, you know, obviously the storefront. But I got a nice, nice little team between my, my media team, the marketing team, and our shipping team. We got a lot. We, we've been doing a lot of cool stuff to build the brand together. So. Well, obviously, we'll expand more once we. Have. But do do you have do you actually have partners in the business, or is it just so many partners? Yeah, you have? yeah I brought some partners in. I want to take care of my family and friends. You know, people that are close to me, I allowed them to come in on my first one. You know, just to you know the people that are near and dear to my heart. I love that. I love that. I love you. You seem the type where like that's what I was asking you. You seem the type where you just you you, you don't forget you don't forget about the people that are there with you. Yeah, I make sure I take care of people that people have done. Good to me. I've been there since I was five years old, and and people are there since I've been born. You know, I make sure I take care of my people. With is there any takeouts? I mean, obviously, you said there's so many there's so many layers to what happened to you with your accident. Is there any takeouts or any any times in your life that I mean, you're very positive, and it's hard to always be this positivity. Like, is there moments where you have through the journey have really felt that hard pressed uh, that it's almost like that, that I want to say mental health, but almost like that depression or sadness, like why this happened to me or questioning why this happened to me. And I'll explain to you why, because when my son was in the hospital, um, there, there was a, a big gap of time when I sat there and I'm like, I don't drink. My wife doesn't drink. We're healthy. We don't smoke. Like 
why did this happen to us? Like, why is this happening to my kid? Like, why? And you question and you question, why are we going through this? And then you realize that years later, like, it was probably the greatest thing that happened to me. It made me who I am as a man. And, and it made us such a strong, united family. So was there moments where you were just like, why is this happening to me? Like, how does this all come together? I don't know if I said, why is this happening to me? But there's been moments where I was sitting here like, damn, I wish I could just do this on my own. Like, wish I could just get in my car, go meet up with somebody for lunch. Damn, I got to call somebody for this. I got to check on their schedule to see if they can work with my schedule. And like, it's like I've been there before and like, you know, it's upsetting, but I kind of get myself out of that funk because I realize, I'm like, you know what, Eric? You should be thankful that you even have people to call that can do stuff like this because you remember, and I remind myself of all the people that I met when I was in the hospital and at Kessler mainly, of the people that don't have family, people that have left them behind, people that are living in one bedroom apartment with seven other people living in there and can't get out of their apartment because the elevator is broken for three months out of a time. And I'm like, wow. okay, Eric, yeah. You don't have it that bad. So that's like my reminder when I get in those like funks, like, damn, I wish I could do that. Or damn, I wish I would, would be able to go here or do this and that. I kind of just remind myself, I right, snap out of it, eat, snap out of it. Yeah, I love that. I always, I always ask um, if something were to happen to you today, in a few words, everything you've, lives you changed, in a few words, how would you want to be remembered and described by your loved ones? I want to be known as a hero. Now my legacy, I want to be known as someone with the car who dealt with the, you know, had played the cards that he was dealt with, worked his butt off, never gave any excuses, enjoyed life to the fullest, the little things in life, appreciative, and also generally cared about people and their well-being and just wanted to leave this world a better place instead of all the negative stuff, be a positive influence on other people's life. That's how I want to be remembered. I love it. I love it. Is there anything you want to tell our audience or just in general, like a message you want to give to people that are, I mean, 2020 has been a really rough year for a lot of people, right? Is there a message that you could just sit back and just give and just let people see that there is a light at the end of the tunnel? Sure. There's two things I want to say. Uh, two things I live my life by actually. And I always say to everyone, be appreciative for the things that you do have. Don't focus on the things that you don't have. And if it's something you really want, you work your butt off to get it. No if, ands, and what about it. And there's a definition I want to leave with you guys that I live my life by that was embedded in our head at Rutgers when I was there. And it really sticks to me still to this day. And it's the definition of success. And it's the peace of mind you get knowing you did everything you could to be the best you can be. I'll say it one more time. It's the peace of mind you get knowing you did everything you could to be the best you can be. So at nighttime, when you look at yourself in the mirror, you can say, you know what? I gave it my all today. There was nothing left I could give, whether if that's in school, on a work project, but your family, whatever it is, you gave it your all. You should be able to put your head down on that pillow at night and sleep at ease. And, and if you didn't, you know, God willing, you wake up that next morning when you look yourself in the mirror again, you say, you know what, today, I'm going to make today my best day. And watch when you start adding those days up day after day after day. The, watch, the where, watch where your life will take you. Yeah, the wins and wins. Take every day as a win and win, win. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's, 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 it's so simple, but so powerful, right? Mm-hmm. Very. I, I love it, brother. How could our audience get to get a hold of you, follow you? I mean, you're obviously on social media, and there's, there's a ton of uh, ton of publicity around you. But how do how do they get a hold of you? They want to get a hold of you, or see you, or talk to you, or or get you on their show and stuff like that? What's the easiest so, way? Go to my website, ericlegrand52.com. From there, you can visit. You know, me fucking speaking engagements, media request, 
visit my R Shop 52 website there as well. And then if you want to get some of our daily cup of believe, our coffee is legrandcoffeehouse.com. Be a part of our movement and be a part of our journey and just trying to impact this world and also my foundation, Team Legrand of the Christopher and Dana Reed Foundation. Our mission is to find a cure for paralysis. So also keep up with us throughout Team Legrand stuff. So you can find me on all those different platforms and also every, every social media that there is out there. I appreciate it, brother. I want to I want to talk about one last thing you just said there and something I wasn't aware. When I start the when I do these interviews, Eric, for you to understand is um I try not to study the person. I try not to learn about the person. I want to be as curious as I can. So when I hear something, I just talk about it. So I think it gives more of a natural conversation than having set questions. Um, your foundation, when did you start that? What's what's that about? Let let our audience know because I think that's that's very I, I want to learn a little bit more about that. So the reception of the team of Grant was in so, uh, September of 2013. And it all started when I did a Christopher and Dana Reed Foundation when I originally got hurt. Had reached out to me. They had this, you know, support for me. Whatever we needed, they were there. Back in 2012, so many people were still asking me, Eric, what can we do to help? What can we do to help? What can we do to help? So I spoke with my mom and I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's time for us to create that foundation that, you know, so many people have told us in the past. And I remember saying, Mom, what's up with those Christopher and Nana Reeve people? Like, well, you know, maybe we should partner with them. She goes, yeah, they've been there from the beginning. And I remember I said to my mom, you think this is I'm like, who is Christopher and Dana Reeve? And she goes, you don't know who Christopher Reeve is? I'm like, am I supposed to know? She goes, the original Superman in the it's, 70s and 80s. In the I, I, I got originals. Oh. I got original Christopher yeah. Reeve's statues like the, of him up yeah, here. Him right behind your elbow too. Oh. Behind you. There's another one there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I said, and I said, Mom, you realize I was born in 1990. I'm sorry, I don't know. Then <laughs> I researched him. I said, Oh, probably should know who that is. But oh, very, know, very powerful man. man. I, I, I grew up with that. Right, that was a huge part of my childhood. Well, I, that was January 2013. We, you know, we spoke with them, got all set up, and then we launched in, in September of, of 2013. And I'm proud to say we raised over two million dollars for spinal cord injury research and. You know, we're, today's care, tomorrow's cure. That's our motto. And we're going to find a cure for this one day. But in the meantime, I, I love how his wife has really taken that journey on to another level. Like she has embraced that to the max. She did. And I'm fine. No, unfortunately, she passed away a little, right, a little bit after. She she has. So who's running the family? So is it his family that still runs it? Yeah, you got a few of his kids that are on the board. And, and yeah. It's just grown into a full-blown of people just supporting the foundation. And Oh, I love that. I love that before he passed and whatnot and just the chronicle injury community unfortunately like i said he passed away and his yeah. wife you know like a year or two after but wow okay i wasn't yeah. aware of that yeah i obviously i was aware of his passing i wasn't aware of his wife's yeah so we're just we're living his mission and that's when we want to get a world of empty wheelchairs and that's what we're trying to do and i'm trying to feel like the torch was passed on to me and now i'm trying to live out his legacy i love that i love that i love that on all our show notes i'm going to put all information, how to get a hold of Eric, like I said, through his coffee house, through his websites, through 52 Believe, all that stuff like that to uh, support him and support his foundation and an incredible individual, incredible mission, incredible journeys on his way to do. And, and I mean, you have just, you're just on the brink of how many lives you're going to touch and how many people you're inspired throughout, throughout your mission. So I'm, I'm excited to see your journey and, and I'm, and I'm proud that uh, we had the moment and uh, to meet and get to know you. And hopefully this will be something of a friendship we could continue on. And hopefully we get uh, your uh, coffee uh, in, uh, in Canada here. You know, I'm from Toronto, Canada, right? Yeah. You said that. So I, yeah. I, see, I see the, the blue Jays had on our day. You know, so, well, <laughs> here, man, but I, it's all good. It's all good. Man. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, brother. 
I appreciate you having me on, Jeff. Thank you. That's a wrap for today. I want to thank our guest, Eric, for taking time. It is an incredibly busy schedule to be a guest on the Jeff Nozing podcast. What an incredible story and journey and such an incredible future for this young man. If you guys enjoy this podcast as much as I have, please, like always, tell your friends, tell your family, spread the word. Leave a review. Five stars would be absolutely amazing. We love spending time with our staff reading the reviews. Until next week, guys, keep moving forward.